0: What are you going to tell us tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. It's been a while since we've done a solo one, but I put it out to you guys the other day that I was keen to do a solo one again because a couple of you had messaged me saying, hey, when are you I like the interviews, but when are you we're going to just do a solo pop culture like the old days. And I thought, well, Honestly I thought my time was done but I said all right I'll put out a, I'll put out some some messages on social media and on YouTube and just see if there's any questions that you're actually interested in getting answered because it's been mind blowing and I'm trying not to take it personally the fact that this podcast has become so popular after I stopped doing <laughs> solo interviews uh, solo you know what I'm trying to say solo talks it started with the intention of just being a little bit of fun I thought it was going to be a way just to riff about comedy and then the further we went, it was actually kind of funny to see how much traction some of the solo podcast episodes were getting. But then, I don't know, I've always liked to do the, the interview ones as well. It's just, it's fun. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there and people have lots of opinions on whether or not you should be starting them or, or whatever. But my wife made a really good point. She's like, mate, people have been writing books forever. And it's one of those things. If you've got a good book, people will, people will find out about it a lot of the time. Like I'm sure there's exceptions to that. I'm sure marketing plays a big role in it, but I don't know. <clears throat> I just like the idea of uh, just, just following what makes you curious, and and I'm definitely a lot more interested, usually, in sitting down with, with people that I'm fascinated by and just asking them questions about their life. I guess that's the beauty of podcasts. I was listening to a podcast I liked the other day, and um, the host was going on about the fact that, yeah, it would suck to start a podcast now because there's just so many of them, but I reckon what people what people forget is a lot of people start a podcast, uh, but just because you start a podcast or have a podcast, it doesn't mean that you're ticking all the required boxes. I like what um, Chris Williamson from the Modern Wisdom podcast said. He's like, I-, I like to treat my podcast like an athlete. And that kind of resonated with me. It's like he does all the small things. He's consistent. He shows up time after time after time. And while anyone can start a podcast, let's see who's still running a podcast in 10 years. I, I like that idea. That idea of consistency and discipline, and so I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit of encouragement for you. I just do this for selfish purposes, <laughs> purely. I just find it fun. It's a good use of an hour of my day when I when I find a guest who um, who, who wants to come on and have a chat. It's cool. Uh, now that I've done maybe like a hundred and I actually don't know exactly what number this is. I I feel as though we're getting a little more of a strike rate with some guests. And I think as as long as you can ask good questions and and actually hold a conversation and genuinely be curious, I find those those podcasts really interesting. So hopefully, as it continues to grow, um, you know, I'll be able to speak to speak to people that you're interested in, that I'm interested in, that you know, a year and a half ago would definitely have not have given me any of to, uh, any time <laughs> on the on the podcasts because we understand it's like a marketing game for so many people as well. You don't want to come on a podcast that has a couple of hundred listeners if a podcast that has hundreds of thousands hundreds of thousands of listeners is reaching out to you and man I think we're still in the hustle mode really I'm nowhere near hundreds of thousands but it's growing which is which is fun which is good it's more fun to record a podcast and give it to you knowing that um, knowing that people are actually tuning in those first 50 episodes I'm, I'm pretty sure it was just just you and me. <laughs> Man, that's just the nature of the game. I feel like that's the same in every industry. Anyway, what I've done today, as I said, I put out a, a few social media posts and just said, hey, I'm thinking about doing a, a social media, I mean a, a solo podcast once again. Anything you want me to talk about. Because there's so many good I don't want to be a political commentator. And I feel like so many solo podcasts are just political commentary. I'm not passionate enough. I don't care enough. Listen to Ben Shapiro, listen to Andrew Claven. They're who I listen to. Listen to Tim Dillon. He's funny too. He's got a cool ability just to combine funny with politics. I feel like you have to be interested in politics for that to be a thing. I just get angry at politicians and start calling them names, and then don't get gigs because I'm too much of a loudmouth. So you've just got to you've got to choose your topic wisely. But I thought oh, wisely, I should say. I thought, but what could possibly go wrong with with q and A? Q&A? So a lot more people sent through questions than what I was anticipating. So I don't know if we're going to get through all of them, but I'll. I'll do my best. Uh, Before we get into it, I just got back from Perth. I was over there, had an awesome, um, awesome, like four days. I left the family, which is, you know, you can't say publicly is is the good part of a holiday because you feel bad. I kept calling my wife because it was the first time I'd been away from her and the boys for four days for like three years since my first son was born and I'd call just to tell her about how great my day was but I just heard chaos in the background with crying kids and temper tantrums and just yelling and I thought you know what I'm in Perth I'm I'm thousands of kilometers away I might just enjoy some peace and quiet hang up the phone and deal with this when I get home and I and I did and I've uh, I've paid for it dearly I've come home and I'm I'm straight back into dad duty my my older boy's funny like whoever he spends the most time with is who he likes and so he just has not been interested in me in me at all since I've gotten home. So I'm I'm slowly working on that. I took him to swimming lessons this morning. Um, probably shouldn't have. He was he was a little bit under the weather, the poor bugger. But he was convinced he wanted to go, and I didn't want to I didn't want to question his judgment. But turns out that as his dad, it's exactly what my responsibility is is to question question his judgment because honestly, his judgment was was terrible this morning. He was way off the mark. He should have listened when I said we're staying home. You're sick. But instead, I was. Uh, I was coerced by a three-year-old to take him to the pool, which is a lesson that three years in, over three years in, you think you should have learnt. But here we are, we're back. He's out at the library now. So I thought a little bit of peace and quiet in the household. I'll get into these questions. So um, so uh, no, no specific order. I've just written these down as they came through. Uh, I get the sense that there's people I know and people I don't know based on the, the quality or the content of the questions. Some people I'm guessing I haven't spoken to for a little while based on some. But here we go. So the question was, if you've got any topics or any questions that you're interested in me speaking about in a solo podcast, shoot them through. All right. With that said, let's do it. What is the most valuable lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? I feel like I feel like for me, the the most valuable lesson I've learned in the last 12 months is like a repetitive lesson that I just can't seem to grasp my hands around. And that is that now you have kids, you are not the number one priority in your own life anymore. Which, which sounds brutal, and uh, I mean, maybe it just sounds ridiculous that that's actually something that you wrestle with. But one of the things that I've found so challenging about, uh, one of the things I've found so challenging since having kids is when you're, when you're solo, or even when it's just you and your lady, or you and your man, you don't realize how much time you have. And I, I have so many hobbies. I'm one of those classic uh, examples of someone who if you've got a little bit of space in your day... I can find it very, very easy to fill that space with something. And uh, a lot of that space that I used to have is now taken up by a three-year-old and a one-year-old, which I absolutely love, and it also does my head in. And that's just me being completely honest. And let me let me clarify what I mean. It's The, the selfish part of me is like, I've got so many things I'd love to do with this time. Write comedy, go travel, uh, go drink coffee, go see my friends. But instead, you have to uh, uh, play tools and construction in the backyard with your three-year-old and try and convince him you know how to use a handsaw uh, uh, without him recognizing the fact that you're not like your friends and you don't really have the confidence to be using equipment like that. So that's been the most challenging thing. But in saying that, I've spoken to enough people now where they're like, and I know this, I know this on like an intellectual level, but when it comes to the actual application of 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 this lesson that's that's where I struggle with I go okay well I know this time is short it's going to go fast I'm going to look back and I'm going to miss those days my wife always says to me like hey pretend you've come back from the future and you get to spend a day with your kid and I go okay well you sound like an asshole if you go I don't I don't want to maybe I'll just go back to the future and drink coffee and write jokes and so when you take that attitude I feel like it clarifies um i feel like it clarifies what your priorities are like at the top of my priority list i've got like so i've got faith family relationships health career contribution that's like the chart that i just cement my priorities in my head with so i mean faith families they they get thrown around a little bit they get mixed and matched and whatever else but i know that family's close to the top so but it is weird, don't you think? And everyone I speak to about this has the same struggle. It's weird how much we we struggle to um to like act on what we know we should be doing. Like everyone knows they should be fit and healthy, but still they eat cake because it's delicious. And that's one of the things that I'm wrestling with. I'm like, all right, how do I live in a way that actually matches what I say my priorities are? That's a long answer for me trying to say, I think that's the biggest lesson, that I've just got to live in the moment a little bit more, accept where I'm, where I'm at, understand that every night, I think especially with my personality, I'm that kind of guy where I go to bed, and I'm like, there's 25 things I didn't get done today that I wanted to get done, and that's frustrating, And but it is what it is, like, I mean, even if I was the most productive guy in the whole world for the rest of my life, the day I die, there's still going to be infinite things to get done, so... I mean, maybe that's just me trying to play God a little bit too much and, and just not recognize the fact that my capacity is limited. But I would say that's been, that's been my biggest lesson, that, that life's not all about me. Can you share a book that you've read in the past year that has really resonated with you? Well, actually, funny, uh, and I, I think I copied and uh, put that question second to the first question based on what the book is. I'm reading it right now. It's called 4,000 Weeks, I've blanked on the guy's surname. I think it's Oliver someone, but just Google it. 4,000 weeks. And it talks about exactly what I'm struggling with in that first point. And I think that's the reason it's resonated so well with me. 4,000 weeks, it's 80 years. It's the average human lifespan. And it's essentially a time management book for mortals, I think is the subtitle. So time management for mortals. What does he mean? He means... So like I reckon what I said in that first question is something that I've been trying to navigate for years, right? Like, I remember years ago reading "Getting Things Done" by David Allen, and I'm always interested in productivity, but I'm more interested in like unhustle. I'm I'm way more attracted to to the lifestyle of people who are like, yeah, I'm not just going to hustle, hustle. Like Gary V, as much as I respect what he's created, could not think of a worse life to live. <laughs> I look at the way that guy lives, and I'm like, oh, just let me do the opposite of that, um, which is what I'm sort of trying to create a little bit. But anyway. 4,000 weeks time management for mortals, it speaks to this idea that time management or productivity books have let us down because one thing that they fail to speak about or share with us when we're trying to figure out the best way to get more done is that there is a capacity to how much you can get done even if you're the most efficient person in the world. So he gives this example of, um, and this is real common, I think it's common in like the motivational speaking world. I saw it in church world a lot back in the day where you get a glass jar and then you get the big rocks like your main priorities then the smaller rocks which are like your your next priorities and then the sand which are the things that can fill up the space but you know you probably shouldn't fill too much of your time with now the analogy goes if you fill up the if you put the sand in first and then the small rocks then the big rocks don't fit but if you do it the other way around big small sand then everything fits in the jar he laughs at that uh, analogy or that example cuz he says what that fails to recognize is what if you've just got way too many big rocks and you don't know which ones to leave out. And that's where I think I fall short sometimes. That's where when I go to bed with 25 things in my head that I didn't get done, I go, all right, well, I probably should have focused um, on eliminating some of the excess so I could focus on what's essential. So that book has been a breath of fresh air to me just because it, it, it reminds you of the fact that your capacity is lower than what you probably even realize it is. So If you're that kind of person who's constantly thinking like, oh, I need to get more and more and more and more done. Well, the better your systems get and the faster you are and the more efficient you are at getting things done, then the more it leaves time for you to do extra things. He gives this example or gives this quote from someone from back in like 1930. I should have written it down. But essentially it was saying that man's biggest struggle in the next 100 years is gonna be what to do with all this free time. Because processes were just speeding up, technology was increasing, and the idea was that once what we get done now in a whole day is done in an hour, then what do we do with our whole day? We just sit back and chat and try and kill the time, I guess. But how untrue is that? Um, I mean, I've realized this through my running business and just noticing the impact that chat GPT or AI in general has on my business. Like it frees up so many hours, but what I've realized is already, I'm like, okay, I've got all these extra hours now to focus on the things that I've been ignoring (laughs) for all this time. So it's just like an endless cycle of, perfection. Um, but but that's been a, a really good book. I'm actually trying to slow down and I, I canceled my Audible account recently because I realized um, in the name of productivity or whatever it was, I was just trying to fill every part of my day with something. Like I drive to Melbourne a lot and every time i drive to melbourne i was like no i can use this time wisely and i can just listen to a book and i can make sure that i'm getting an education as i drive and and to a degree i like that but one part that it completely eliminates from the equation is your ability just to like sit and process information and i sometimes feel as though my brain is so filled up to the brim like there's so much going through my brain that i don't actually give it a, an opportunity to to let it process so i've been trying to take like a saturday off use that as a sabbath let the land lie fallow, as they say, which is, I think, an example that they speak about in the Bible, where every seven years, they let the soil just, they they don't plant, they don't harvest, they just let the oil sit and replenish and rejuvenate and come back to full health. I feel like Sabbath has, has been something that I'm still, honestly, like I haven't nailed and, and I'm a bit hit and miss with it, but uh, that and... Um, Yeah, just going back to some hard hard hardcover books for that reason. I'm like, Tosh, you don't need to fly through. So I bought a couple of classics recently. I bought uh, Brave New World, which I'd actually never read. I think I've watched the TV series and uh, I was sitting around a table the other day and, and my wife mentioned the fact that it was an unreal book and I was like, I don't think I've ever actually read it. So I've just been cruising through that one a little bit lately. I like what Seth Godin says about books as well. I like the idea that when you have them, it tells you about like the place that you're at when you're bored at a particular time in your life that you're at. I like going to the bookshelf and having something tactile. It's a little bit, I I feel as though when I look at a book, I feel like what a record collector must look like. You go, oh, okay, well, this is is more than just a book. Like it's a little piece of art. You look at the cover, you sit there, you can flick through the pages. It's just enjoyable. I always noticed that I enjoyed those uh, hardcover books more than Audible. Anyway, really long-winded answer to quite a short question. I would say 4,000 Weeks is the most profound book um, and I'm going through, uh, yeah, a process of eliminating some of the extra technology just to focus on hard copies. It's nice to have next to your bed. Also, been inspired by Van Neistat. I look at some of the notes he takes in his old book, and I go, that just that just feels good. Um, have you watched anything good recently? Yes. Uh, mind you, I've been I've been struggling a little bit, which is funny based on how many options. That there are on on what we watch, but I feel like everyone else. I love that David Beckham documentary, that four part series. Uh, I never thought that there was someone on the face of the earth that I thought was more attractive than Victoria Beckham, uh, my wife excluded, in case she's listening. Uh, David Beckham wins in his own relationship. I feel like it'd be tough for Beck because to be that attractive and to be the second look best looking person in your house is um is hard. I I just like I. Uh, it's funny because I just told you before, I don't like that hustle. I do. I like people who have their, their mind set on something that they want to achieve for themselves and they just go for it. His story of, um, like his passion to, to be a good athlete really strikes a chord with me. Like I was an athlete as a young guy. I was willing to do whatever I could to get good at it. But on another level, I really related to his dad, who is like a little bit of a, he was a bit of a hard task He He's had his eyes or heart pretty much set on his young fella being a good soccer player or footballer, if you're in the UK. And and just the effort that the dad put in as well. So I'm walking this line at the moment where I'm trying not to live vicariously through my son, but I can see Charlie's got a real interest in ball sports. Uh, I, I regret to a degree my move from uh, AFL football into the running world because I think I was a better footballer than I was runner. And I can, see, I can see the coordination is pretty good for my little guy. He's got the interest in ball sports. He's pretty passionate, but he's three. So it's like, Ty, settle down, mate. Uh, I want my kid to live a life that he's happy about, that he's enjoyed about, not just be um, sort of, what do you say, like bump it in or, or scaffolded in or whatever it is, cramped in by whatever my desires are. So I feel like I could relate to where the dad is but I'm trying to learn that lesson before I just turn into a dad that is a pain in the ass and he doesn't want to be around because I'm putting too much pressure on him but that was that's a real standout to me, a real highlight. I also watched the first like 15 minutes of Shane Gillis's special recently. <coughs> Excuse me and that was super funny as well. I mean, I watched the rest of it as well, but the first fifteen minutes, especially as an Aussie, I just I liked how much shit he was giving us about our accent. Um, yeah, it was it was very good. So there there are a couple of standouts for me. I don't know if there's anything else. I actually watched Taxi Driver a few weeks ago as well. I like weird movies. I, I feel like I'm the kind of guy never get a recommendation from me because so many of the movies I like, people go, uh, eh, not really my style." And it's become a bit of a universal theme. I like old classic weird movies. Babylon was another one that's old um, but it's like set in the I think maybe the 30s 20s or 30s unreal Margot Robbie Brad Pitt here we go really good so there's a couple of uh, my standouts lately how's stand-up comedy been going uh, stand-up comedy is is very good I am I'm so obsessed I I really love it I listened to a great podcast with Chase Jarvis the other day and Nate baggatzi and what I love about stand-up comedy is is so much of what I speak about in reference to sport, I feel applies beautifully to stand-up comedy as well. Uh, the discipline, the failure, the humility, like the checking of the ego, the work, the the editing, uh, just the learning. It's a it, it really is without sounding like too much of a wanker. It's a cool art. It's like. It feels like an intellectual pursuit and a creative pursuit in a way. That's what I like about it. There's so many facets and there's you can never clock it. You can never get a set which is so perfect that it makes every audience laugh. Just like some people say Dave Chappelle is the funniest man in the world and some people can't stand him. Uh, it, it's the thing. You can do a set in one room, walk out the front door, go to the next room and absolutely bomb and there could have been a whole lot of reasons. It could have been the energy. It could have been your attitude. It could have been the crowd. There's there's just a number of things. So the fact that you can never absolutely nail it, I think is is really appealing. I think I mentioned at the top that I yeah I went to Perth last week, which was yeah, I did because I was telling you about how much it was it was sort of nice being away from uh, the chaos. But yeah, that was a, that was really cool. So the Perth Comedy Lounge has 160 seats at capacity. They were pretty much sold out. I think all shows apart from one. I did I did uh, I did five shows there, but four of them were official. And one of them was just like a little fun spot to a smaller audience. Yeah, so so I guess four out of the six shows that I did there, as far as I know, were completely sold out. And just the energy in a room like that where people have paid to actually go and watch stand-up comedy. It's an experience that if you've been hearing me on this podcast for a while, you would have heard the, the journey. And I mean, I'm not out of it. I'm still performing regularly at open mic comedy rooms. Uh, but in an open mic comedy room, in comparison to what it was that experienced in Perth last week, it was, uh, yeah, it was It was just wild. And I had good sets as well, um, I, I think. Hopefully the blokes and the chick, Sarah Galligan, Gallaghan, who was there, uh, agree. And I'm not just floating my own boat. Because here's the thing. Comedy is weird as well. I think sometimes when you're on stage, you think you're doing better than you are. I've seen so many people get off stage and be like, oh, yeah, I killed. And I was like, what? Really? Like, <laughs> I don't say that. I just, I smile. But in my head, I'm like, what if? Like we're in different planets. Whatever you've just seen is not what I just saw. And uh, so you've got to be careful. But anyway, I felt like I felt like particularly two of the the sets went really well, uh, which was cool. And you leave and you're like, oh man, these are paid gigs. It's a good room. There's a opportunity here to really tap into it. So I've come home all inspired and pumped, just to keep pursuing that and keep working hard. And there's so many people doing so well. Like Lewis Kidju is an Aussie comedian who I don't know how old he is, but he's he's selling at theaters and He's such a funny dude. Like he he does all this crowd work, and he regularly posts clips on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And man, I watch, it and it's just you just get pumped for these guys because they've tapped into something. They're obviously very skillful. They're very smart with the way they approach it, and it's just cool to see people moving and shaking in the industry that you're in. Uh, so that's been that's been good. Comedy's going really well. Uh, Do you find it hard to manage having a family with your running business and also your involvement in the comedy world? Yeah, I think I sort of touched on that, didn't I, at the top? Yes. Yeah, I I do. But I know that, um, I know, (laughs) it it feels weird even having to say this because it sounds like I'm justifying it. Uh, My emotions say work hard and do the fun stuff, but my reality and what I value says, hey, no, no, you invest in your family even when it's hard because that's where, um, you know, in 50 years, you're going to look back and be grateful you did lucky for me i've got a wife who is so supportive of everything else she goes she's selfless she goes above and beyond in in trying to support me so not only does that actually make me want to do that in reverse though i get nowhere near her standard uh it actually i think i think i've got a lot more sort of spare time up my sleeve if i want it to pursue those things which ironically actually makes me want to be around even more so maybe she's uh Maybe she's just done like a sucker punch. <laughs> she knows that her encouraging me makes me want to be home more and uh, and, it, and it works. If you could master one particular skill or hobby, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. If I could master a particular skill or hobby, what would it be? I think if I really wanted to try and master a particular skill or hobby, I'd probably just go out there and, and actually try and do it. Um, I would say... Surfing's in mind, but I don't think that's true because I like the idea. I like how surfers' lifestyles appear, but I don't really enjoy surfing that much. And so um, I I guess you can't say that. Probably, honestly, probably comedy. Yeah, probably comedy. Like I am pursuing it. So that's it. The second part of the question is what sparked your interest in it? I, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before. Uh, what sparked my interest in that was originally Joe Rogan and just the fear of getting up there. But then hearing him speak about his martial arts and how his approach to martial arts actually crossed over beautifully into his life of uh, stand-up comedy. That was what really sparked my interest because I was like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm a dick with my friends. I can make my friends laugh, but it's very different to getting on stage and doing like a curated joke to a degree, I guess. I guess in some ways it's really similar. But just being funny... Like, it's like, it's like someone goes, okay, be funny. And that's what happens when you go to a stage. That's a lot more difficult. But if you've got actual skills and jokes and a bit of an idea of, you know, where to start and how to go and what's got to laugh before. Um, I think that's really helpful. Uh, are, you st- are you still a Christian? I reckon, so I used to be a youth pastor. I used to work as a youth pastor at City Life Church in Melbourne. Uh, short answer, yes, I am. I am still a Christian. I reckon I say that, with more conviction now than I probably ever have, I've recently, the last eighteen months, started to get back involved in church after about five or six years away. Um, it's weird though. I like to say I'm from the Christian tradition because sometimes um, when you say you're a Christian, I feel like I, I don't know. I guess it depends who you talk to, but it just it, it conjures up all these images of like hardcore religion and really unattractive religion. I was speaking to my cousin the other day, who's a Buddhist, and I, I was trying to explain to him. I feel like Buddhists get this idea of, of like tapping into the essence of, um, what human problems are. And a lot of the time Christians, I think especially fundamental Christians, they hide behind religion and what you can do and what you can't do. And unfortunately that's, that's probably what Christians are known for. I, I like Jesus because Jesus was like, I feel like the way he operated was sort of like the way Buddhists operate. He was just tapped into some spirit and, 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 there was, I mean, there was plenty of weird stuff going on around him, but he seemed like the most normal dude in the world. He was just doing his life and, and healing people and changing people and encouraging people. And when I say I'm a Christian, that's what I'm referring to. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live like Jesus, really, which is, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'm nowhere near it. But so short answer is yes. Long answer is, um, I mean, if you, if you heard me on stage and some of the words I use, then far out. The fundamental Christians would probably have a couple of questions. But anyway, that's where that's at. Uh, yeah, I go to the Wave Church here in Ocean Grove, in uh, in Victoria, which is which is cool. Like a lot of legends there. If you had a chance to have a deep conversation with any historical figure, who would it be? Oh man, there's so many people. I would um I would love purely for the entertainment factor. Probably in terms of like history, it's relatively recent. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali would be a good one just because. When he was on, he was so on and you had to be so on your toes. And he was, you know, some people how they can go through the motions and they can say the right things. And um, I listened to an interview the other day and it was with Tom Hanks and it was with Rick Rubin. And after like 15 minutes, I was like, okay, I get it. I love Rick Rubin. Tom Hanks is a great actor, but I just, it felt very, I don't know. It just felt like someone who had curated uh, the ability to speak well over years and years and years and years. But it, I don't know, it could just be me being a harsh critic, but he felt like a little disengaged. Muhammad Ali seems like that kind of bloke who you put him in front of a microphone and he's just there. Like he's he's witty, he's confident. He was literally <laughs> like the best boxer on the planet. So it was terrifying. But also the fact that he stood up for things that he believed in beyond uh, beyond boxing, like not going to the Vietnam War. Because he's like, hey, what have they ever done to me? I'll go to jail, no worries. Uh, I, I respect I respect that so much. I respect people who are who are happy to take us a, a whack for the things that they believe in. And um, I reckon if there's anything that we've learned in the last couple of years, especially here in the West, it's that, um, you know, it's it's bloody hard to do that. When people start telling you what to do and, and demanding things of you and saying there's going to be consequences, it's hard. Like, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? Muhammad Ali's like, yeah, whatever, I'll lose it all. Let's go. And uh, yeah, that, that really, um, I like that. What's your favorite travel destination? I would say, uh, so 2017, we went to Greece, Italy, France, Spain, but we traveled through like Portugal, uh, went to Germany. Like, we, went to, we went to so many places in Europe. I can't even remember Croatia. Uh, favorite part of all was old Lisbon. So uh, in Portugal, and it got me by surprise. I didn't really know what we were going to get there. I didn't really know what to expect. They had this old music called Fado, where it's like uh, this guy on this sweet guitar, some beautiful Portuguese chick singing and it's just unbelievable. Very, very traditional Portuguese music, I think. And you're sitting there, you're having a glass of wine, you're having some dinner. Um, I was with Jesse and we're like, man, how, how good is life? And so I, I feel like that one really clicked with me. I also loved the Cinque Terre in Italy. That was cool just because it's... I mean, it's very touristy, but it's... I don't know, something about places. I'm just not that interested in big cities anymore. Like if you go to a big city and... Um, yeah, go to a big city. I mean, there's a Zara, there's a H&M. It's like, yeah, okay, I saw that in Melbourne. So just to get an experience that you don't really get anywhere else. But anyway, just a little short and sweet one for you today. I mean, I've got a few more questions here, uh, but I'm I'm just going to keep this one to around 30 minutes. Uh, That was fun. I'm going to be back next week doing interviews again, but just to mix it up a little bit, I hope that was enjoyable for you. If you've got any other questions, make sure you shoot them through. Jump over on YouTube as well. Subscribe over there. I'm um I'm getting more and more consistent. I'm still learning the art of uh, YouTube with these podcasts, but help me out a little bit, would you? <laughs> anyway, I hope you're doing well. Enjoy your weekend, uh, and I'll see you all here again next week when we when we get back into the interviews.